Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Sabah al-khair. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Robert Martin, Nasser Mashni and Yusuf Ahmed al-Rimawi. Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English-language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Nasser. Good morning, Yusuf. How are you doing? So Robert is bringing us coffee again, so he <laughs> won't be with us. Uh, from Brazil. So we from Brazil, yes, yeah. the best coffee. Um, we are very excited to have a very special guest uh, this week, Nasser. One, a, a true Palestinian heroine and uh, an exemplar to all Palestinians and their steadfastness. So uh, that will be Shireen Isawi will yeah. talk to us about her uh, experience in Israeli prison and her iconic... Uh, well, uh, even from, from how she got the taste for um, and desire for independence through to her time in jail, through to her work yeah. as a lawyer. So, so that will be coming up uh, next. But uh, what else do we have? We're going to speak about um, the Minister for Israel, Michael Danby, deciding not to run. Um, also some Palestinian villages. I mean, Israel is deciding to do some more ethnic cleansing. And um, just to touch on some of the working conditions for pa- the Palestinians uh, face within Israel. Also, Nasser, we will pay tribute to Felicia Langer, who left us last week, uh, the first uh, advocate for Palestinian prisoners and the first person who took the Israeli prisons to, to, to court. Uh, so without further uh, delay, our interview uh, next is uh, with Shireen Isawi from Al Isawiya in Al Quds. We are delighted and honored to have on the phone with us Shireen Aisawi. Shireen, thanks for being with us on the show. Thank you, and I'm very honored to be with you today. Shireen, um, before we start the interview, I would like to know more about uh, your uh, uh, yourself. You are a freed prisoner, you are a human rights uh, advocate, you are an advocate for uh, Palestinian prisoners. Um, and also tell me about um, your family. You have uh, brothers in prisons. One of your brothers uh, is a Shaheed. Uh, you came from an iconic resistance family in Isawiya, Jerusalem. Tell me more about that. I have to tell you first about my grandfather, Ahmad Isawi. He was one of the founders of the BLO and was the commander of the rebel army north of Jerusalem. He resisted the British mandate and then the Israeli, the Israeli occupation. He was always telling us about the revolution and the revolutionaries. We grew up listening to his stories about the revolution. He was telling us about my uncle Osama. He was uh, killed by an Israeli army in north of Palestine in 1982. 
He crossed the borders uh, with a group of uh, Fidaiyin revolutionaries uh, and uh, attacked an Israeli army, so he was uh, killed then. My other uncle, Hani, he was in Israeli jails uh, for uh, 12 years in administrative uh, detention. In the 70s, also my parents were arrested by an Israeli soldiers. When the first intifada began, uh, my brothers uh, started to involve in the intifada, so they were arrested also. If my, my brother Mithat was 12 years old when he first arrested. He spent almost uh, one year in an Israeli jail. Since then till now, he uh, spent almost 20, 23 years in uh, Israeli jails. His daughter Layla, she's now five years old. They, they most of the time they didn't allow her to visit him. And as uh, as I said, um, most of my brothers or all of my brothers were in Israeli jails. Rafat uh, was uh, in prison for uh, five years. Um, Shadi for nine years. Samer now sixteen years in Israeli uh, prisons. Uh, they were and they are fighting for our freedom, but the Israeli occupation considered them as terrorists, so they put them in uh, jails. I spent five years also in Israeli uh, jails. My brother Fadi was 16 years old when he was killed by an Israeli soldier, and it was uh, two months after he released from the um, uh, jail, after spending one year for uh, throwing uh, stones uh, toward the soldiers. I decided to study law so I can fight for these prisoners, for the Palestinians who can't fight for their freedom, to be their voice in the whole world, to to express ourselves as, as fighters for our freedom. But the Israeli occupation didn't like that, so they put me in a prison. But we are strong enough to continue our fight till we have our freedom and till all the refugees, the Palestinian refugees, return to Palestine, free Palestine. Uh, So, Shireen, can you just take us through the process of arrest? You know, what happens when you're first arrested before you get to prison? What are are the Israeli tactics and techniques that they use uh, during your interrogation? During the interrogation, the rules of international law regarding to the prohibition of torture, whether physical or psychological, are not respected by the Israeli occupation. And there are many examples that can be said of detainees, Palestinian detainees, who was killed as a result of torture. For me, I was subjected uh, to a physical and uh, psychological torture where I was uh, beaten violently and, uh, for example, they forced me to sit in a chair, in a small chair for 20 hours uh, on 30 days uh, while they uh, chained my hands and my arms to that chair. They beating me, they didn't allow me to sleep, they even didn't, didn't allow me uh, to have a bath. Two months in this uh, situation without seeing anyone, uh, sometimes they use the Titanese as um, a human shield. For example, my brother Samir, when they arrest him, they used him as a human shield. And he was also subjected to a several uh, torture. Uh, my brother Mithat also uh, was subjected to 
that kind of torture they broke his nose and his teeth uh, they force him to stand without any clothes at all uh, on the snow in the winter. There are so many uh, methods that the Israeli soldiers or the Israeli occupation used during the interrogation to force the Palestinians to give any information at all that they know. For us as Palestinians, we see all these methods that they want to break our souls. They want to break our uh, believing in freedom so they used their method Shirin uh, you're talking about the period before conviction uh, tell us about the disparity between what the international law says when it comes to the rights of people under interrogation versus what is actually happening in Israel first of all uh, by the international uh, humanitarian law uh, when the occupation forces arrested anyone, they have to inform his family and also inform the person who was arrested uh, of the charges that they arresting him. They have also to inform the family uh, uh, where, where they kept this person as a Didani. 99% of the Palestinians, the Denise, when they arrested them, they didn't inform their families where they kept them, in which prison, which uh, area. They didn't also inform the lawyers. They didn't give them any of their rights at all. And the interrogation itself have to be in specific hours. It uh, shouldn't be in, uh, in a long time. They have to give him some time to rest, to have uh, food, uh, to pray. Uh, to, uh, also, the international humanitarian law forces these forces, the occupation forces, to give uh, the person uh, um, clean clothes and uh, to allow him to have a bath. All the, these things, the Israeli occupation didn't respect at all. They kept uh, the Palestinian uh, detainees without uh, any um, any rights during the interrogation. Uh, they didn't allow them to have a bath. They spent the whole time, uh, two or three months, in the same clothes. Um, they didn't give them any food or, in some cases, as happened with me, uh, I was chained uh, uh, to the chair uh, most of the time and they put the food in front of me and they told me to have uh, uh, this food, to eat this food. But my hands are chained, so there's no way that I, that I can eat any food. And also they have to give the Palestinian detainees a medical treatment during the interrogation and after the interrogation, but they didn't give us any kind of uh, medical treatment at all. Um, and also by the international humanitarian law, they have to give us uh, hours to sleep. It's our right to have uh, a good sleep at, at least eight hours, but uh, they didn't uh, respect that. As you can see, we are talking about the Israeli occupation. This occupation is using the apartheid rules against the Palestinians. So we didn't expect from them to respect our rights as human beings. So the human rights centers in the world, the international human rights centers, have to do something to stop these violations against the Palestinians especially the detainees who are sick and during the interrogation. 
and of course not forgetting the torture. And the international law put an obligation on the occupation forces to respect the human rights uh, and not to torture the, the detainees. But as we say, they didn't respect that at all. Noticing that we are talking about uh, children, about women, not all, not just adults, persons. When they arrest a child who who is 12 or 13 years old and put him in this situation of torture, what a humanity we are talking about of this occupation. Can you imagine a child on this age sitting alone and is being tortured by the Israeli occupation without any charges, just because he's an Palestinian? Listeners, we're, we are speaking to Shireen Isawi, a fabulous Palestinian woman from Palestine. Shireen, before we move on, in a normal Western democracy, when somebody's arrested, they get a phone call and the opportunity to speak to legal representation. How long does it take for a Palestinian to get to see their lawyer? Most of the time, they didn't allow them to see the lawyer till uh, 14 days. But most of the cases are after 30 days, after one month, and sometimes it will be after um, 90 days, uh, three months. Noticing that the Palestinian detainee didn't know the charges against him. So even when he saw the lawyer, he didn't know what to consult with the, with the lawyer because he didn't know the charges. And sometimes in the trial itself, the trial is a secret one. So the lawyer if they allow the lawyer to be in the trial uh, or the the detainee they didn't know why they arresting him after three months he will know the charges in the end of the interrogation shirin uh, let's say a jewish israeli commits a crime do they do he or she uh, go through the same uh, avenues of legal process and my other part of the question uh, tell me about the rate of conviction for Palestinians in Israeli uh, courts. There are two types of courts. The first is the military court, where every Palestinian being arrested in the West Bank, they are bring him to this kind of courts. And the other is a criminal one. For those who are arrested in Jerusalem, Gaza and occupied Palestine, since 1948. There is no justice in these courts because the laws is not the same for the Palestinians and the Jewish. We can consider the courts as a democratic one for the Jewish people themselves and the rate of the convention there is almost a 50% or something like that by but uh, for the Palestinians it's uh, almost 99% and it's not the same laws there's law for the Jewish and the military laws also for the Palestinians it's not the same even the sentence for the crime let's say uh, for the Palestinians it will be a life sentence but for the Jewish it will be several months uh, and we can take an example for the soldier, uh, Azaria, who killed a Palestinian, injured, an injured Palestinian, and and they sentenced him for nine months. Shireen, can you take us on a journey on your time inside the Israeli jails? What was it like inside prison, your first night? 
Um, where was the prison? And um, in, under international law, were there breaches of uh, conventions with respect to where, we, where you were imprisoned? After I spent 30 days in a continuous interrogation and I was tortured, uh, they transferred me to isolation section. And uh, my family was prevented, fr- prevented from uh, visiting me uh, for another two months. The prisons are usually located inside the occupied Palestine territories. And this is uh, a violation of uh, international human, humanitarian law, which requires uh, the occupation state to uh, detain prisoners in prisons and uh, detention centers close to their places where they are uh, living. And on the other hand, the prisons are very old, uh, full of insects and uh, do not enter the sun or fresh air as it uh, should be. Uh, the smell of uh, the cell is very disgusted uh, and the cell itself is very small. Uh, they didn't give me, after 30 days, they didn't give me any clean clothes. Uh, and uh, the food they, that they give me or give to another prisoners uh, wasn't good enough to eat. My understanding, Shirin, that you were in prison during the call for hunger strike last uh, year. The prisoners, the massive hunger strike. Uh, Please describe the atmosphere inside and uh, help us understand the demands of the prisoner movement. Why did the prisoners go on hunger strike and what what were they protesting against? The demands of the prisoners were human demands. As the prison administration dealt with us in racism uh, through uh, the laws and the procedures, such as preventing the parents and um, um, fr- from visiting uh, them, and also preventing a second-degree uh, family from visiting the prisoners, they just let the mother and father. Um, also sister, brother, son, daughter, uh, to visit uh, some of the prisoners, not all of them. And there's prisoners had none of them. They have no one to visit them, uh, such as uh, uh, aunt and uncle. When the hunger strike began, I was in isolation, on a hunger strike to end my isolation. Uh, so during the, the general hunger strike of the other prisoners, um, the prison administration agreed to end my isolation and so to end uh, my hunger strike. So And I um, transferred to uh, Damon prison, but I remained in isolation there because I continued my hunger strike with the other prisoners. Uh, but uh, the prisoners, the Palestinian prisoners, sent me a message with one of the lawyers uh, to finish my hunger strike and return to the section in Damon uh, in prison with the other girls and also some of the demands uh, were to allow them to call uh, their families especially those who are none of uh, their families is allowed to visit them in the prison also some of the uh, demands were to provide treatment to the prisoners who are sick that the Israeli occupation didn't treat them as they should be and let them die just like that in the prison
and there are other uh, prisoners uh, uh, who have another uh, humanitarian demands and they succeed to achieve most of them because you are talking about an Israeli occupation um, who didn't care about anyone who is Palestinian. Shireen, just a couple more questions before we finish our interview. Um, firstly, can you give a sense to our listeners of, of your life as a Palestinian in, in Palestine under Israeli occupation and a, a, a woman in Australia, perhaps? And also, as we discussed earlier um, off, off the line, the uh, Australian government has cut aid to the PA because of um, alleged payment of salaries of uh, prisoner families. Have you got a message for um, the Australian government and for Australia? When I think about it, there is so many so many things that uh, I can talk about it, but uh, maybe I can just tell you a little things, a simple things uh, uh, that are uh, practiced by the people in general in the daily life uh, that uh, we can't do it here in Palestine because we live under uh, occupation. Uh, for example, go to school or university without the Israeli soldiers beat us or uh, close the roads and prevent us uh, from uh, reaching to our school or to our university. Uh, Sleep without preparing clothes in case the soldiers came at night to arrest one of us. And maybe you all saw yesterday how they beat uh, the the girls, the Bedouin girls, uh, that the soldiers uh, go and uh, want to demolish their houses. We don't have any rights here in Palestine, in occupied Palestine, nothing. At least the Australian girl has a state that protects her and have her normal life. And when she gets sick, she can get treatment, education, work, um, as another girl in the world. But here in Palestine, we don't have any rights because the occupation treats us as a terrorist and we, we are not a terrorist. We have the right to resist until we achieve our freedom. And this is by the international law and the UN um, resolutions. And we are not terrorists. Um, And my letter to the government of Australia is to rethink its decision that uh, serves the Israeli occupation, not the Palestinians, and to be pro-Palestine because in that case they they will be in the side of the justice, the international justice. Shireen, it's been a real honor to have you on the show. Um, we salute your resistance and the resistance of your family, the people of Asawiya, the people of Jerusalem, the people of, of Palestine. Thank you so much for being with us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope, really, I hope that my message will get to all the people all around the world and to support us as a Palestinian people who live under the occupation to get our freedom. It's our right to be free and live in a free Palestine. And thanks again to Shreen Asawi, a fantastic Palestinian lawyer, human rights defender and advocate and someone who truly walks tall for Palestine. So, Nasser, uh, what else do you have? Well, uh, very uh, excitingly, the Minister for Israel, Michael Danby, has decided not to run for election. He's just announced that, um, during the week that he's uh, going to retire to the next federal election. Uh, it didn't take Greg Sheridan, the um, uh, Australian reporter, long to write a, a big article. He called him the Labour Lion, and he says, this lion will roar no more. Oh. Um, you know, it's really... Uh, oh. 
quite a love fest for Michael Danby and Greg Sheridan, the two two ministers for Israel. One, one's the advocate for Israel and the other's the minister for Israel. But also, uh, he's not speaking on behalf of all Jews of Melbourne. No. I saw on my Facebook page today, some of them are actually cheering. Well, they're very happy to see the back of him, that's for sure. Yeah. One of the things that um, Michael Danby said, he was sure that he would get pre-selected and he would win again. In fact, the word we hear from inside the Labour Party is that they were sick of his very Israel, Israel first policy, the fact that he wasn't representing his constituency or Australia first, but Israel first, and they wanted to see the back of him. Well, interestingly, in that article um, it, where Greg Sheridan lionises Michael Danby, he refers to a uh, parliamentary um, letter and uh, debate, excuse me, where it talks where Michael Danby talked about the unreliability of the Chinese legal system with a ninety nine point six percent conviction rate, how unreliable it would be. Now let's We'd, guess who's worse than this. Yeah, well, there's only one, one country worse than this and is ultra-reliable. It's um, Michael Danby's own Israel, as we heard from Shireen mm. uh, just a little while ago. So we're glad to see the back of this guy in good riddance. And, uh, so that's one thing we're, gonna, we're not going to miss. No, uh, no. Also, uh, Nasser, uh, I want to touch on Khan Al-Ahmar. Yeah, and Khan Al-Ahmar as well is uh, a Palestinian uh, Bedouin village in Al-Quds uh, territory. And uh, it's uh, not recognized by uh, the ter- by the occupation, and this village has been demolished over and over again. And the last of which was yesterday, uh, mm-hmm. I mean a few days ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've seen how uh, Australian bulldozers and Australian occupation forces brutally uh, dragged the people of Khan Al Ahmar, literally dragged them. Yeah, they dragged and, them. And 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 even some of uh, one of them was a woman who wore hijab, mm-hmm. and she was uh, her hijab oh, look, was pulled. It was and, brutal. You know, it, it was, was I mean, brutal it, it, and in front of all cameras. Yeah, there, there's no, there's no one, um, because um, there's no impunity. The, Israel hasn't been made to pay for any of their illegal actions, any mm. of the inhumane actions. I mean, they've killed 140 people since um, Land Day, March 30 this year. No, no outrage, no boycotts, no divestments, no sanctions, and here they are. You know, thousands of years old Bedouin village. Um, inside the municipality of Jerusalem, because they celebrate God on the, a different day, we've got to make way, and they're making way not for um, uh, anything other than to build a Jewish-only settlement there. So, um, and uh, soon uh, pictures or footage from uh, confrontations like this will be illegal. So even the pictures that yeah, we yeah, see yeah. will be deemed uh, against the law. I mean, th- th- this is exposing. what a wonderful democracy yeah. Israel is. Yeah. You can't film a soldier violation. Or a, it's a violation or, or a police officer mm. doing their civic duty in, you know, shooting, arresting, killing, maiming, uh, arresting, brutalizing, uh, bulldozing Palestinians. You know, this is you, you're tarnishing our image. Basically you know. showing Israel uh, in its real colors, the real, yeah, the real face. Um, also, I want to remember Felicia Langer, yeah. the Jewish Israeli and Holocaust survivor from a Holocaust survival family. Uh, who was the first person who took Israeli prisons to court and exposed exposed the violations against Palestinian prisoners after the 67 wars. She wrote a book called In My Own Eyes that was translated to many languages. And in fact, uh, it was translated into Arabic, Bi This book made it to a series, Abu Dhabi Television in 1979, uh, produced a series with Syrian actors. And that was the first uh, footage that I saw of uh, Palestine, I remember when I was young. Right. So uh, may Allah um, 
bless her soul, uh, and any spirit that fights for freedom, uh, regardless of whether they are Palestinian or Israeli or anyone. Um, we should also say that Felicia, to the point, she became so disgusted with the apartheid system within Israel not that, that she left. Yeah. She went back to Germany. She passed away in Germany. Yeah, yeah. She, she couldn't stay and live there. Even the, She went back to the country of the Holocaust that killed her family. She couldn't stay in Israel. Um, and finally, uh, like uh, we heard from uh, or the interview with Shireen, uh, looks like the pro-Israel lobby has convinced our government mm-hmm. that the families of prisoners are terrorists. Yep. And therefore, the government decided to end the aid for the PA. And um, I mean, it's a, lo- it's a long and tenuous bow. I mean, the reality is we've got close to 10,000, sometimes 7,000, but, you know, call it over 7,000, up to 10,000 Palestinians who are imprisoned by the state of Israel under military law, many of them, the vast majority unconvicted, many of them under administrative detention where they have not even seen the charges, rolling six-month de- uh, detentions. I mean, Shireen herself, you know, her brother, almost 80 Samer, days. Midhat. Yeah, all of them, you know, and, and the hunger strikes that Rafat. they've been on, mm. you know, with, without ever having seen a charge. Mm. I mean, it's only at their death, at death's door do the Israelis release the, the, these poor Palestinian kids and, and uh, women. Um, whilst we've still got time, Yusuf, another thing, a report came out on the Maybe working... in one minute. Well, in one minute, on the working conditions within uh, Israel. Um, one in it's, Israel has one of the highest um, injury and death rates on construction sites, and in in Israel you're an eight in ten chance if you die on an Israeli construction site, there's an eighty percent chance that you're Palestinian, mm. um, because uh, well I don't think there's well, very much well money the ratio is twenty percent in population, but eighty percent in casualties. And don't forget, listeners, to go see Taha with Ahmed Halehel. From the 10th of July to the 14th of July at the Arts Centre in Melbourne. Tickets are on sale now. Uh, I think uh, with this we've come to the end to another edition mm-hmm. of Palestine Remember. Thank you, Nasser. Thanks, you. And I want to thank uh, Shireen again for Absolutely. taking the effort and time to speak to us. And until we meet next Saturday, this is Nasser, Robert and Yusuf wishing you the best of time and salam.